AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH. Solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by Grounded. Spray smarter and improve herbicide performance with Grounded, a multifunctional adjuvant from Helena. The Upper Midwest is bracing for another storm while Fed Chairman Jay Powell is bracing for a storm himself. He'll be headed to Capitol Hill for his twice-yearly briefing to Congress. And happy Monday. That means it's time for an update from Machinery Pete. And we'll talk with a guy that's using real-time machine learning to evaluate the U.S. economy. Live from a marvelous March Monday via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning we'll begin with a conversation with Greg Peterson, that's Machinery Pete. Then it's Bob Elliott from Unlimited Funds, and right after the news, Brett Waltz from BAM WX, I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Now, here's the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. Do you feel like maybe you're overselling it just a little bit when you say that marvelous Monday morning thing? If anything, I'm underselling it, bro. Really? This, I feel phenomenal. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, baby. Woo-hoo. I'm ready to do this. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So, uh, you know, I thought maybe it was a reference to the weather because I, yesterday afternoon at, at four o'clock, it looked like it was seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. It was so dark across the Midwest and really just kind of a gloomy day up here yesterday. What about you? Um, well, I hate to brag. It was yeah. absolutely gorgeous. Wow. Um, there were some mulberry trees kind of in the pucker brush off to the side of the yard. Yeah. They've just been sassing me, like big ones, too. Yeah. Like three yeah. inches around. Yeah. Just three or four of them. But, man, they've been bothering me all winter. Time to go. And I finally got out there with a, uh, a reciprocating saw. <laughs> roasted them it was awesome perfect day for it love it love it love it oh man i'll bet uh big apple joe stackler is getting a little bit of weather out there in south bend right now but hey it's it's uh still a cloudy kind of gloomy day we'll talk with brett about what to expect from the weather and there are there is a lot to expect from the weather this week there's no question about that and then bob elliott um i mentioned this Last week, I, I saw him on uh, Fox Business last week. That's right. On the Char- yeah, on the yeah. Charles Payne uh, show. And it it intrigued me what he was talking about. It, it, mm-hmm. He's got a real-time machine learning uh, recessionary barometer. And I want to talk to him about that and, and find out what he, what it's thinking. And, hey, as long as I've got the CEO of Unlimited on the line, we might as well talk about, okay, well, if you had an extra 100000 where would you put it? We'll find out. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. All right. Let's get to it. What do you got in the news? Well, Chip, Farm Bureau says new estimates reveal major 2022 weather disasters caused over $21 billion in crop yeah. losses In an article on the topic, Farm Bureau says in 2022, 18 weather and climate disasters, each with damages exceeding $1 billion, struck the U.S. from one coast to the other. Yeah, and if you're wondering why we are looking at the Title I, or our lawmakers are taking a closer look at Title I of the Farm Bill, you know, the crop insurance and safety net, right there Mm -hmm. it is, $22 billion, one year. Man, 
Kind of calling an audible on this one, Chip, but the National Transportation Safety Board will send investigators to Ohio today after a second Norfolk Southern freight train derailed over the weekend. Citizens were ordered to shelter in place, although authorities report the wreck was not hazardous. A second train, same train line, Chip. Yeah, let's not speculate on anything on that one. Let's just wait for the news to come out because I'm sure that even though the mainstream media kind of ignored the first one there in East Palestine. I doubt if they're going to ignore this one. Right. Well, USDA has extended its hog processing line speed trials in a statement from MPPC. Quote, the National Pork Producers Council applauds USDA's decision to allow eligible pork harvest facilities to continue experimenting with ergonomics, automation, and crewing while maintaining line speeds that have been proven able to protect food and worker safety over two decades Ensuring harvest capacity is critical to allow America's pork producers to continue to provide wholesome pork products to customers. The extension will allow USDA to assess a final report of the data collected during the time-limited trial and determine next steps. Yeah, it, 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 I would fully anticipate that this is going to be made more permanent than what it is right now. And from the what could possibly go wrong file, the U.S. <laughs> is working with Ukrainian pilots in the United States to determine how long it would take to train them to fly F-16 fighter jets. Ukraine has been pushing for the U.S. to provide fighter jets, arguing they need them to defend against Russian missile and drone attacks. The Turkish foreign minister said on Sunday that Ankara is working hard to extend the Black Sea grain deal. Russia has said it would only agree to extend the deal if the interests of its own ag producers are considered. Yeah, and that includes some of the fertilizer um, producers in Russia. He wants to get more fertilizer out of there. He wants more revenue from the fertilizer is what he really wants. Indeed. Chinese officials are aiming for around 5% GDP growth this year. That's a relatively conservative target. Yep. And it's lowest target for more than three decades as global headwinds add to domestic fiscal concerns. Analysts say this year's conservative economic growth target would be easier for Xi's new economic team to meet after falling short of its goal in 2022. Well, you know why he's got a new economic team, right? Because they fell short of the goal in 2022. Exactly right. Because other guys are out busting rocks somewhere. Yep, exactly. Uh, Here's some good news. Climate envoy John Kerry said he told President Biden he intends to serve in his role through at least the COP28 climate summit that begins in late November. And finally, with recent price declines, the cost to buy and operate some electric vehicles over several years is now roughly on par with their gasoline-powered counterparts. Chip. Okay. Thank you very much, Davis. Let's bring in Brett Waltz, BAMWX.com. Good morning, Brett. Uh, Good morning, Chip. How are you? Doing real fine, real fine. Um, Boy, the upper Midwest, it looks like it's right in the bullseye again. Brett, what's going on? Yeah, we, we've got really a multi-day snow event that's going to ramp up. I'd say especially Tuesday night and through Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's just a slow-moving system that's going to bring snow from the Dakotas through northern Iowa, uh, Minnesota, and up into Wisconsin for multiple days. And then another system this weekend. There are parts of the, the northern plains from the Dakotas to, to Minnesota and Wisconsin that get you know anywhere from a foot plus of snow just over the next seven days. And it's pretty widespread, too. Man, oh man, it's not letting up. And then it looks like um, what the the temperature pattern for mid March. We talked about it last week. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be surprised if it's quite a bit cooler than normal, right? Yeah, it's going to be several degrees colder than normal for 
really most of the central United States and even through the eastern United States uh, all the way through at least the 20th of the month. Now, they turned a little warmer over the weekend, but you're still looking at 5 to 10 degrees below normal probably. Okay. All right. Take us a little bit deeper into the month then. What does the seasonal models look like? Yeah, so kind of looking out ahead towards the growing season and looking at things changing maybe out of the La Nina state that we've been in, uh, some data taking us into an El Nino into the summer and subsequently forecasting a, a wetter than normal growing season uh, really across much of the Corn Belt, just some of the latest data that's coming in right now. That seems to be the trend right now is that there could be better chances of more widespread rains as we work into the growing season, at least compared to the last couple of years. Yeah, maybe not a full-fledged El Nino, but patterning in that direction. Is that what I'm hearing? Yep, yep, you got it. Okay. I, I think that in terms of a full flip, it'd be later into the fall. Right, right. Okay, good stuff, Brad. Thank you. So, you know what? We need to get you on for a longer segment sometime and talk about exactly what to watch for as as we make that transition from La Nina yeah. to neutral to to El Nino. Okay, thanks, man. Yep, That is thank you. Brett Waltz, BAMWX.com. Greg Peterson, Machinery Pete, is up next here on AgriTalk. My mom's got a new Case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hate all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Machine repeat here, folks. This segment of AgriTalk brought to you by our friends at Dakota Ag Innovations, makers of Dakota Shine, the best way I've seen to fix faded paint. Go to dakotashine.com or call 888-996-7801. All right, welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you are with us this morning. It's Monday morning. Davis, you know what that means. It is time for an update from Greg Peterson, Machinery AP. Good morning, Greg. Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing real fine, real fine. Um, I've just kind of glanced at the details of what we're going to be talking about here, Greg. And this auction in Marion, New York, is a killer, man. Let's get to it. What do you got for the pick of the week? Yeah, it was Friday out in Marion, New York. Like you said, Chip, uh, Jay Martin Auctions had the sale. It was a retirement auction for Ron and Don Magdy. And wow, beautiful line of John Deere equipment. So the pick of the week, I mean, it was hard to select one, but I went with the 2005 John Deere 8320 tractor, 2,416 hours, so low hours. Jeez. But the thing sold for 200000 bucks, which is, uh, again, here I go, broken record, but record high auction price. And actually, it was a record by 20000 bucks. Holy um, smokes. We had just seen the record uh, December 5th, 
out on an auction we covered uh, and filmed for our TV show out in uh, Hamlin, Iowa, where we saw one out there with uh, 2,820 hours go for 180. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, the, the last year and a half has just been so amazing. I, I got looking back at you on your 83.20 prices. And prior to that December 5th auction, which set the record at 180, prior to that, the record was 159. And that was just set a year ago, March 5th of 22 in Elgin, Illinois. Mike Espy okay. sold that one, an 05 model, 2,373 hours. And before that, I mean, before this past year, you had to go back. It was 149,000. And that stood for 10 years. Oh, that was from September of man. 12 in Elliott, Iowa. And now we're all the way up to 200,000 bucks Friday in New York. So again, that's a pretty good little snapshot of what's happened with used tractor, it especially pre-tier four. So just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is. Even the timeline, how that all fits together and everything mm -hmm. really tells the story of what's been happening in the used tractor market. Yeah. And I mean, and I, again, it was difficult to pick a one item for the pick of the week because frankly from that same auction how about this okay 2012 john your 8285 r 1292 hours on it that went for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. now that's a record by thirty three thousand bucks and here again that previous record 217 was just set december 19th on an indiana auction um and the four highest auction prices ever on 8285 r now they've all come from the past 18 months so, yep. you know, that, and then we had another record on that sale of 2011, John Deere 7200R, 1960 hours, one for 152.5. That was a record by 5,000 um, bucks. And that record was from back December of 14. Uh, but even beyond the records, I mean, how about a 2009 John Deere 8130, 2440 hours for 185, second highest price ever on an 8130. Okay. How about a 2013 John Deere 8360R, 6,702 hours for 210,000 bucks. And if you, again, you isolate the 8360R is over 5,000 hours, that's the second highest ever. And again, wow. it had over 6,700 hours. So yep. again, well, the tractor here's, market here's, is what it is. Yeah, here's the deal. Here's the deal, Greg. I started these conversations with you in 2022. Looking for that sign that there's weakness in the market. Mm -hmm. And here we are breaking records that we set at the end of the year, just as we thought, okay, well, these are prices that are probably going to be in place for a while because yeah. it was a strong market, strong revenue year. Guys needed, wanted to make those equipment purchases uh, before the end of the year. And here we are, we've got prices above what we were seeing at the end of the year. Uh, this market isn't done. That's what that tells me. There's still momentum in it. Yeah, there is. And it's all about supply. It's a supply issue. I mean, the new, the new supply of, of new equipment is, you know, hopefully getting a little better, but still some problematic aspects to getting that new equipment, even if you want to pay the, you know, the price that's been, you know, risen a couple of times significantly, but uh, and more importantly on the use side, go look and see how many 8320s there are available. Yeah. across the country they're just i mean good luck and then you find a nice one 2400 hours or that 8130 with 2400 hours again it's all about supply right now okay talk to me about the auction lineup greg does it feel just a touch light right now it does actually for march yeah. um 
But uh, usually, you know, as you get towards St. Patty's Day, like a week from now, things start to crank up. But okay. it, it is a little light, and that might be a reflection of a lot of sales got pushed forward into the fourth quarter of yeah. 22 to try and capture the strong market, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know this. We were scrambling trying to get as much, uh, as many of those sales at the end of the year talked about as we possibly could. And, yeah. and here we are right. now. You know, yeah, it, it just feels a little bit lighter. But you've got some big ones coming up. Yeah, we do. I got my eye on a couple items, a couple sales. Um, you know, one is a week from Wednesday, uh, so March fifteenth. Our friends at Big Iron. There's a particular tractor on the auction. I need to highlight. It's a 1995 John Deere 7400 mechanical front with a loader, uh, 740 loader. It's only got 1,308 hours on it. Holy and, smokes! Uh, it's being offered by Agrivision Equipment, a great John Deere dealer. Um, and I spoke with Eric McCready, the inside sales manager. A really interesting backstory on this tractor. Um, it's from a guy I know, retired John Deere engineer, Bernie Poor. And if that name sounds familiar, it should, because Bernie is the guy I did a podcast with last year. He sold his 1982 John Deere 4640, 1,857 original hours for 59000 bucks last June. And now this is Bernie's 7400 And the cool thing, again, this is selling March 15th on BigIron.com, and AgriVision is donating a portion of the proceeds to two great uh, causes, Iowa FFA, of course, outstanding okay. there, help our young people, and then Agricultural uh, Future of America. So uh, I'll be having more info on this tractor coming up, so just watch uh, Machine Repeat social media, folks, and we'll get you can get your eyes on this beautiful tractor from my friend Bernie Poor. Boy, good on AgriVision for doing that, too, making uh... Yeah. Very Some cool. of the proceeds available to two very worthy uh, causes out there. What else you got right. coming up? Well, there's a sale Wednesday, folks. Uh, my good friend Kevin went with the Went Group out in Ohio, just texted me this morning, and there's a, a swather, or a self-propelled disc bind, whatever you want to call it, coming up Wednesday on the auction. It's a 2012 New Holland H8040 uh, Prairie Special with a 14-foot head, only 1,066 hours on it. It's cut 4,300 acres, always shedded. I'll be posting a little picture video clip of this thing. But again, it sells Wednesday. So check out thewentgroup.com, W-E-N-D-T. Kevin and the crew out there, a fantastic auction company. And again, this is an online sale Wednesday. But if you're looking for a nice swather, boy, they, they got one for you Wednesday. All right. All right. Wednesday, you'll probably be traveling on Wednesday, won't you? I will. I'll be heading down to Orlando, Commodity Classic. Great show. Always uh, enjoy the quality conversations down there and i'll be there just the first day of the show on thursday so hope to see you folks if you're heading to the show and uh at 3 p.m i'll be over at the the redux bionutrients folks exhibit doing a little video interview with them uh getting the scoop on the latest how they're uh, helping farmers with their solutions so i'm looking forward to that again that's three o'clock on thursday and uh, looking forward to some Orlando sunshine. I will say that. <laughs> I talked to a buddy from uh, just south of there this morning. Okay. okay. And uh, he said, Chip, it's hot. And this was, I mean, this was like quarter to seven or something like that. I was talking to him. Uh, he says, Chip, it, it's hot. If you was down here, you'd be looking for a shade tree. <laughs> yeah. Us northerners, people laugh at us. We go down there and we wear shorts and T-shirts when it's 57. But, yep. uh, no, we got to pace yourself in that Orlando sunshine. That's for sure. Yep. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. Okay. We've got time. Let's go back and hit that sale from Belafonte, Pennsylvania. 
Yeah, just Saturday, uh, two days ago, I've seen a lot of strong sales in the Northeast. And this was a sale by my friends at Fraley Auction Company, Adam and the crew there, outstanding auction firm. So how about this? A 1990 John Deere 4055 two-wheel drive tractor, 6,250 hours on it, sharp. Sold for 67500 bucks. And if that sounds high, it is. I mean, that's the third highest auction price ever on a 4055. And again, 6,250 hours on it. So I can tell you it's the third highest price ever. But what I find more interesting is if when you use the search filters that are, you know, the free auction prices, yeah. you can search at machinerybeat.com. The previous high on a 4055 with over 6,000 hours was 46.5. And that oh. was just la- last year. So you're talking 21,000 above that. So again, it gets, oh my to goodness. The, it gets to the supply. How many nice 4055s you see sitting around these days? Wow. That's a, that that's a big, big price on that tractor. Hey, all right. All right, man. Well, we will be looking for you Thursday down in Orlando commodity classic, uh, down on the trade show floor. All right, Ben. Yep. That sounds good. Uh, we'll see you there and, uh, yep. Yeah. Hope you have a good week. Yep, I I hope so too. Thanks, buddy. That is Greg Peterson, Machinery Pete. Okay, we are going to be talking economy when we come back. Bob Elliott is the CEO and co-founder of Unlimited Funds. He's got a real-time recession tracker. We're going to hear about it coming up next here on Agritalk. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady-Beach. I don't know if I can identify a common thread in these grain markets today. Kind of got prices going in all different directions. Yeah, I'm going to start in the soy complex, uh, Chip. Uh, So soybeans got caught up in the wash of everything else selling off overnight. And uh, that uh, has reversed in a big-time way here at, at mid-morning. So we've got the uh, soy meal market, which firmed late in the overnight session, uh, leading the way to the upside. But but soybeans are posting double-digit gains here uh, on support from that the rally in soy meal. And then ongoing concerns with the Argentine crop situation. Yeah. And it sounds now like uh, more and more... Uh, crop forecasters are, are going below 30 million tons. So yep. uh, while that story's been around for a long time, uh, the crop continues to shrink and is still price supportive to the soybean and soy meal markets. Yeah, and a lot of people had just decided that 30 million metric tons was about as bad as it could ever get in Argentina. Yeah, well, I think we're it, learning it's something a bad, different. Yeah, it's a bad situation. <laughs> Getting yeah. worse, apparently. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. All right. Hey, take us over to the livestock trade. What's going on there? 
Yeah, so uh, cattle market, uh, we, we continue to see cash strength, and uh, so that's given us some support. Uh, but, the you know, the buyers are still relatively cautious in there, uh, given the, yep. the type of fundamental support that you would see in the market. Uh, uh, Probably because we're at rarefied air. Uh, only in 2014 have we seen prices that are higher than they currently are. And, and so that's given traders a little bit of caution uh, toward the long side of the market. Feeder cattle, they're being strongly supported by the uh, weakness in corn, even though yep. corn is only down about a penny here. And right. then the hog market is mostly uh, trading to the downside, but just minor losses so far this morning. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Brian. And we've got double-digit losses in the winter wheat market. Thanks, Brian. That's Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Your next piece of equipment is on MachineryPete.com. Search equipment from dealerships across the country to find what you're looking for. Only on MachineryPete.com. All right, welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us this morning. Davis Michelson is here as well. Yo. Um, I don't do this very often, but I couldn't help it because it, it, I saw uh, Bob Elliott, CEO and co-founder of Unlimited Funds, on Fox Business last week, and I immediately sent an email to Big Apple Joe Stackler and said, hey, man, if, if we can figure out how to get Bob on, I would sure like to talk to him about his uh, uh, recession barometer and and just have a conversation with him about what's going on in the economy. Big Apple comes through again, and right now we've got Bob Elliott with us. Bob, it's good to talk with you. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me uh, on the show. Really appreciate yeah. it. Well, I tell you what, it's not all that often that I just swing around in my chair when I hear somebody talking about something that makes so much sense to me that, I, that we had to reach out to you. And just give us a breakdown of the data that is involved in that goes into your recession barometer and how the analysis is done, Bob. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what we do is we look at the data that the National Bureau of Economic Research yep. looks at to determine whether or not a recession has occurred. Now, the NBER usually takes a long time to figure it out and actually call that a recession happened, but the data is quite timely. And so we can look at it in close to real time and say, are we seeing the the types of dynamics that would typically align with a recession or not? And I think the thing that is pretty compelling when you look at that information is that there are very few signs today that the U.S. economy is in a recession. Yeah. Okay. You know where I'm going next. It's this inverted yield curve. If if there's anything that is overstated in economic analysis is that uh, uh, a recession will follow the inverted yield curve. What's your take on that? Well, I think uh, a lot of people look at the inverted yield curve and they say they and they say, well, in general, it has led it has led a recession environment. Right. And that is that is true. In general, it has led a recession environment. But the point, the distance between the moment of inversion and let's say an actual recession occurring has been, if you look back through time, anywhere from nine months to as long as 30 or more months, depending on how you think about it. 
And so there's a big difference between essentially saying, well, we're in you know recession now and there's going to be a recession two years from now or three years from now. And on top of that, the fact that we have a bond market that's radically different than any bond market that we've had in the past. Yes. Right? The U.S. Federal Reserve owns, you know, 25 percent of the bond market today. Yep. And that certainly wasn't the case back at, you know, back in the past. And what we see here is something that, you know, will we probably eventually get to recession? The answer is yes, probably. But that's kind of true always. Right. And are, yes. you know, is the Fed tightening? Yes. And does that often lead to recessions? Yes. But that's that's such a loose way of thinking about the problem as opposed to, you know, really rolling up your sleeves and getting into it and seeing are the dynamics occurring that are really going to lead to a recession soon. The answer is no, not really when we look at it. Okay. Okay. I'm going to delve into this because it's something, Davis, make sure that I get this right as I'm talking about it because. Standing by. Because, Bob. Um, I've I've contested that you have to think differently in this economy because it's a recovery economy. I don't know if there's a model out there that we should be using in trying to look at the data that's available to us and modeling what it means for the economy going forward because it is so different than anything else we've ever come out of. Yeah, I think that that's 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 right. I mean, I, you know, the economists uh, and let's say Wall Street, you know, investors will often just try and sort of abstract. This is generally how these things go. You know, yeah. the yield curve inverts and then that's what happens to the economy in a way that's so generalized uh, uh, that it's honestly not that helpful. Um, yeah. And I think you're, you're spot on. With that intuition that this market cycle that we're seeing is totally different from previous market cycles and the reality you know because we had a crisis and recovery and the amount of monetary and fiscal stimulation that was the response plus this inflationary buildup and the secular demographic trends which mm -hmm. is taking people out of the out of the labor force which is adding pressure to inflation like yep that combination of things totally different than what we've seen in previous cycles and the, the reality is nobody really knows exactly how that's all going to come together, right? How all those cross-cutting pressures are going to weigh out. And so part of uh, the important thing to do here is, is, to, is to not keep a flexible mind about what yes. might be transpiring and look at what actually is happening. And I look at that and I say unemployment's at secular lows, initial claims are at lows, you know, yeah. demand – is very strong, you know, consumer demands very strong. Um, I mean, really, the only place that we're seeing uh, meaningful weakness in the labor market is in like New York and San Francisco yes. tech, right? And of course, they get a lot of headlines because, you know, the reporters are sitting in the building right next to the New York and San Francisco tech spaces. But if yeah. you're in the middle of America, like the employment market, it's very tight. It's very hard to find uh, employees to uh, to get the work done. Yes. I. Oh, okay. Is, is the job market, is that what you're watching most closely as you try to figure out where this economy is going? Well, I think the job market, in order to have a recession, you have a, a deterioration in the employment situation. Yeah. And so, um, and so of, of course, 
you know, some you want to look at maybe demand because demand sometimes leads employment. But in this cycle, they're kind of inner. There's an interplay between the two because the tight labor market and the rising wage pressures, which I'm sure everyone is appreciating in all sorts of different ways, yeah. then feeds into demand. And so you have to think about those as a they're in, they're interrelated to each other. And so I I really think this is one of the cycles where looking at employment is really important. So that's what I'm constantly looking at. I'm looking at you know timely data like the initial claims information or the continuing claims information, that stuff gets reported weekly and you can see what's going on pretty granularly. Okay. And then I'm looking at the overall employment report. Like we get a payrolls okay. report uh, later this week and you know yep. that gives a lot of detail and understanding at the sector level about exactly everything that's going on. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to veer in, in the direction of the conversation here for just a moment. Okay. So we're at a 6% inflation rate right now. It was 9%. 6% is better than 9, but it's still a long ways from 2. So compare the efforts to slow inflation from 9 to 6 to how difficult it might be to slow inflation from 6 to 2. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we had, if you look at that inflation dynamic, we had supply chain shocks related to COVID that created yeah. a squeeze on prices. They went up. A lot of those things have been resolved in one form or another that actually created a down move in inflation as a result of yeah. that but the problem is the big problem is that uh the fed didn't deal with the inflation problem fast enough right. and so what's happened is those inflationary dynamics are now seeping into everything right i mean how often do you how often do you go buy something and you go gosh that that's very expensive relative to what I remember, right? Right. Every, yeah. It's it's broad based. It isn't just in the used car space or just in you know uh, goods at you know certain goods at Walmart. It's not it's not there. It's 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 everywhere. And the problem is what that's created is that's then permeated into wages, where you know workers are trying to keep up and are looking for you know to be paid at a higher rate. And as a result, they're earning more on a nominal basis, particularly the lower uh the lower earners who have a mm -hmm. higher propensity mm -hmm. to spend they take that income that they're earning which yep. you know they they need in order to pay for the essentials and they go out and they buy things because that's what they need yeah. and as a result that creates that cycle that maintenance of inflation mm -hmm. and so that's the area when you look at the fed they talk about you know powell uh, uh, uh five weeks ago talked about the disinflationary impulse well it really has only happened in those areas of the economy that had problems, supply chain problems related to COVID, yeah. when you look at the the core services type uh, part of the economy, wages are running at 6% pretty stably and have been for the last nine months. And price rises are about the same. And yep. that is very hard to break. Yep. That That's the reality is that's a very hard cycle to break. Uh, because, you know, employees are reasonably asking for higher wages in response to the higher prices they're seeing. Right. Right. Okay. All right. Um, the, the expectations are that interest rates are going to continue to be pushed higher by the Federal Reserve. We've already got the inverted yield curve. We've got about a minute left here, but give me, I'm not looking for anything specific, Bob, but give me an idea of where we should be looking to benefit with investments in an inverted yield curve environment. I, I think the biggest thing to recognize is that most people don't have inflation protection in their portfolios. And so I think 
for a lot of folks looking, how do you how do you find exposure to protect yourself against that rising inflation dynamic, whether it's in uh, whether it's in things like gold or whether it's in oil or other assets like that? Obviously, a lot of people here have exposure in the in the agricultural space, yeah. which is, you know, uh, an inflation hedge in and of itself. But thinking about let's say this inflation at six percent persists, let's say the Fed isn't able to get it down. What does that mean for your portfolio? Where can you protect yourself? And that's really looking for things like, you know, diversified commodity exposures and gold is really the place where most people are underprepared for this type of uh, type of dynamic. Gotcha. Gotcha. Bob, I sure enjoyed this conversation, man. I hope we can get you back on AgriTalk sometime soon. Yeah, for sure. I, I really enjoyed it as well. So thanks for having Excellent. me. Excellent. Thank you so much. That's Bob Elliott, CEO and co-founder of Unlimited Funds. Davis and I will be right back to wrap up today's starting AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. AgriTalk is brought to you by the Mosaic Company, the leaders in advanced crop nutrition. And welcome back to it, everybody. And this is AgriTalk, your pal Davis Michelson here with Chip Flory. Yes. Uh, let's just uh, set them up and knock them down. Let's start with Brett Waltz, BAM WX. What kind of forecast is <laughs> that? Yeah. Yeah, big right. gnarly multi-day snow event later this week, followed by an also gnarly snow event over the weekend for parts of the uh, the north there. Yep, yeah, that doesn't sound and, good. And below normal temperatures right into the middle of the month. Oh, by the way, I did see robins. Well, as long as we're, as long as we're talking about the weather, I should bring up the fact that we saw rob or that see, I saw robins. And now here's the thing: so you've yeah. seen robins, a confirmed yeah. sighting. Yep. And if we're going to go by the new model, because this is the new normal, I'm doing right. this with air quotes with my fingers, new normal, Love you it. know, we yes. don't know how this works. Exactly. Twice. The robin's head must be snowed upon before spring will arrive. Isn't it maybe preferable just to rip the Band-Aid off? I know you yeah. love that approach. Exactly. Let's get that first snow in later this week. Yep. Get the second one in over the weekend. Over the and weekend. We're done. Call it good. And we're done. And call it good, exactly. But it's going to take a little bit longer for that snow to melt because we've got the below normal temperatures into the Midwest next week. Yeah, things are going to get a little slow and sluggish here for a while is what it feels like. 
Well, slow and sluggish wins the race. Isn't that what they Is say? Is that what they say? <laughs> they say something <laughs> like that. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Well, just be advised, everybody. Uh, up north, there's apparently snow on the way. Um, and those guys have just been pounded this year. They have. I yeah. mean, look at the snowfall totals up at, at the Twin Cities. Um, man, oh, man, they've just got – and they've they, – it could be another foot of snow for them yep. coming this week. Yep. Uh, machinery, Pete, interesting how, uh, how the, the sales have kind of slowed down just a little bit, sounds like, as far as the number of auctions going on. Yep. Um, I wonder what that means for us with planting season coming up here. Well, he, he's, he said it looks like maybe it gets a little bit more active around St. Patty's Day. So we, we might see, or we probably will see an, an uptick in some of the uh, auction reporting going on and, and some of the, the movement. That'll probably be the first and last chance for a really, really good test of the used machinery market. But mm-hmm. everything that we're seeing so far certainly suggests that there's not going to be much of a back-off in the machinery price. And, and and Greg went to it several times. Why? It's the supply. It's not it, It's not that the demand – well, demand is strong, yes, obviously, when you're setting record prices on, on uh, 20-year-old equipment. Yeah, your demand is doggone strong, but it's the supply and the availability issues that that guys are – they just want to be certain that they've got what they need for this spring is what mm-hmm. it feels like. Yeah. 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 Um, on to Bob Elliott mm-hmm. from Unlimited Funds. Mm-hmm. This was super interesting. Wouldn't that be I mean, fun, by the way? Unlimited Funds? Unlimited Funds. Yeah, I noticed you forgot to ask him about that. Yeah, you know, here's the deal. I understand that money doesn't make you happy, but it, it might be easier. It might help. Happy. might yeah, help it might a little. Help. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, Talking about the statistics that he uses and yeah. that the data is timely, but it, it just takes the national organization a, a little yeah. bit longer to – A lot longer. To analyze, to release that data, to – to, to make sense of it. And so he's just kind of jumping the shark here a little bit and uh, and getting straight to analyzing those numbers. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. It, it's fantastic, you know, and, and I, I, I wish I could draw. Well, I can. I can draw a picture for you right now. Uh, just imagine a circle, mm-hmm. okay, and the close, stay inside the circle, but the closer you stay to the outside edge of the circle with the indicators, the further away from a recession you are. Now go ahead and spiral it right in, and as that barometer spirals, spirals into the center, the tighter mm-hmm. it gets in the center, the the higher the likelihood of a recession, that you're in a recession. Mm-hmm. And right now, the analysis that, that Bob and his team are doing has the circle very close to the, to the outer edge mm-hmm. of that circle. It, it's not that it is ruling out a recession, as he said, but I, I'll mention this again. It, it it was a gut feeling that I had. But it, what was it, Davis? Was it three months ago? Was it a month ago? Something like that. I said, you know what? It just feels like the odds of a soft landing are getting better. 
Mm-hmm. I still didn't think that a soft landing was likely. I put the odds at like 25%, and I'd still be there. Yeah. I'd still be there that the that the landing is going to be soft. But when you can see the opportunity for, for a soft landing, in other words, a, a close to no growth but not a recessionary economy, mm-hmm. when you get close to that, it it the it, you're also indicating just how how hard of a recession it might be, how deep of a recession it might be, and how long yeah. it might last. Yeah, and it feels shallow and short term to me right now. Is 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 what I'm thinking? Boy, I hope mm. yeah. I hope that's right. Bob thinks about this stuff a little differently, doesn't he? He certainly does. He uses it. It's uh. Well, okay, it sounds a little cliche to say this, but he uses his imagination when he's looking at the economy. And if you are, if if you are, you know, boy, so used to doing it one way for so long, you've got to be able to use your imagination and think a little bit differently about things going forward and how that might impact the economy and, and so on and and. Yeah, you know, I, I followed another one of his his uh, threads on uh, on Twitter that we didn't even talk about. But the opportunities in the short term rates right now, the T bills, the the six year notes or six month bills, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's some opportunities that people should be looking at there. Talk with your advisor about it because it might be better than being in the stock market in a rising interest rate environment. Okay, mm. so think about that think about that all right hey thank you so much for listening this morning appreciate it come back this afternoon conversation with chris barrett agview solutions right here on agri talk